0: I know we're in church and everything, but, but really when it comes down to it, don't you really try to make yourself worthy, and don't you really try to make yourself usable, and don't you really believe that if they are going to have purpose, it's because you create the purpose that you're supposed to have? I mean, I know, I know we're in church and everything, but, but if we're really honest, gut-level honest, it, it, we might not say that out loud, but is that not how we behave, live every day? Last week, we began this journey on uh, talking about filters, and these are filters <clears throat> that we use in our life that gives us a perspective about ourselves, It gives us perspective about each other. It gives us perspective about our circumstances. These are filters that we use that really define who we are and, and And why we are. And all of us have filters. And all of us use filters. And some of those filters are good. Some of them are healthy. But so many of them are unhealthy. Listen, when it comes down to it, I'm not a psychologist. I, I, I don't understand a lot about psychology and that kind of thing. But I do understand me. And I understand me in relationship to good filters and bad filters. I I understand me and how it works in my life when I use a good filter and get the good result and how I use a bad filter and get a bad result. So what we're doing is we're looking at the good filter. And we're looking at how the good filter, by the way, is defined simply as this is how God sees us. This is who we are based upon who God says we are. This is viewing ourselves and our circumstances and those around us through God's point of view and not embracing other filters that help us cope uh, with the brokenness that we feel in our relationships or in in our own soul. But really turning to the filters that that help us Now uh, when, when we began last week we began looking at how we are forgiven. In fact the, the premise of last week was that in Christ I am fully forgiven and perfectly pleasing to God. And can I say that again because I really like that point In Christ I am fully forgiven and perfectly pleasing to God. I don't earn any more forgiveness than what I've already got. I don't lose any forgiveness that I've already received. I am already forgiven. I am perfectly pleasing to God because of Jesus Christ. I have Christ's righteousness covering over me and so Jesus has made me right in God's sight. I am justified by God through faith in Jesus Christ. I am fully forgiven and Perfectly pleasing, so I don't have to try to uh, uh, to gain um, uh, significance by what I do. You see, remember the 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 lie that we bought into last week, or that we looked at last week, was the deceit that says I am what I do, and it's part of this faulty formula that has um, so that so dominates our lives. and And I know that some of you are looking at this faulty formula and say, "Well, that's not me." Well, I'm, all right, let's just be honest. I mean, you don't have to be honest with me, I, you know, well, we're not, it, now, th- my four daughters, you have to be honest with me, but everybody else, you know, it's your thing, but, but, but here's the deal, you don't have to be honest with me, but this is truth, all of us struggle with a desire to, de- to, to see what I do plus what others think about me or say about me as my significance, we all struggle with, if I make an A+, plus, then I'm okay. I've got value. I've got significance. But if I make an F, I don't have any significance anymore. And that's a lie. We all have this idea that if, if more people say good stuff about me, if I get more likes on Facebook or retweets on Twitter than the average Joe, then I'm a pretty good guy. But if I don't get any likes and people start unfollowing me on Twitter then I must not have any significance, and that is a lie. My significance, my value, my worth is not built upon, should not be built upon what I do or what others think or say about me. When we build our esteem, our value, our worth as a person, Upon what we do or what others think or say, we are headed for a crazy kind of behavior. It's this faulty formula that leads us to dismantle healthy relationships because we're unhealthy. It's this faulty formula that leads us to, to crazy behavior, insane, illogical decisions because we've we're building our life on this faulty formula. I am what I do, and I am what you say or think about me. So what we're doing and what we did last week is, is, uh, is we looked at this faulty formula, and then we looked at the faulty filter that comes from it, I am what I do, uh, and, and then we began to apply the truth. Now, that's a lie. This is a lie. This formula is faulty because it's deceitful. It's not true. You will never find significance based upon what you do or what others think or say about you. How do I know this? Well, number one, I've tried. Huh? Do I have some amens? I mean, let me ask for some amen there. All right, so here's the thing. I will never bat 100% all the time. It's just not going to happen. I'm not going to bat. I'm not going to bowl a 300% Every time I go to the lanes, by the way, is 300 a perfect game in bowling? Is it it somebody who knows? Help me, help me. Okay, I thought it was. I just, I couldn't remember if it was 300 or 350, 220, 221, whatever it takes. Anyway, Steve Harper, that was for you. Uh, So I'm not going to bat 100%. I'm not going to to bowl a a, a 300 every time I go to the lanes. I'm not going to... To, to have a an A-plus every time I take a test or every time I, 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 I go to class. I, it's not going to happen. There's going to be a day when I fall short of a perfect standard. Huh? Right? Yes? Is there anyone who has not found it true that you will sometimes, at some point in time, fall short of a perfect standard? Yep. Every day. Every day. All right, thank you. That At least I know I'm in good company, all right? So... You and me together, right? So, so when we define who we are based upon what we do, and what we do falls short of perfect, then we're imperfect, and uh, I might feel like a failure. If I don't, if if I don't, if I don't achieve greatly, then I must not be a great achiever. Well, that's crazy thinking. It leads to crazy behavior. And then think about, I am what others say I am. If I base base my significance, my value, based upon what others think about me, oh, my soul. Say there are 900 people in the room right now. Of this 900 people in the room, I'm counting... Well, there are a lot of you that think bad things about me. (laughs) you think I don't know, but I do. (laughs) And you know, the amazing thing is, I I know you don't think good things about me. I've heard some of you come out loud. You know, you come out of the closet and actually wrote it down and sent it to me. (laughs) I appreciate that. Others of you, I read your mind. The truth is, the truth is that I understand that in the sphere of relationships, I'm not not going to be held in high esteem with everybody. I get that. I mean, here I am, I'm dad to these four daughters, I'm husband to my wife, and I'm pastor to this, this group of people. And there's going to be a day when being the father to my four daughters is going to lead me to disappoint. Uh, Two or three hundred of y'all. And there's going to be a day when being husband to my wife is going to lead to the disappointment of two of my four daughters, or three or four, all four maybe sometimes. And there's going to be a day when, when being pastor here is going to lead to disappointment, failing to meet expectations maybe of my wife and my children. I mean, isn't that what we do in relationships? Isn't that part of what life is about? Is, is these circles of relationships and trying to figure out, okay, well, well but if, if, if one circle is talking bad about me, thinking bad about me, does that mean that I lose my significance and value? Well, it doesn't, but do I feel like it does? Well, of course. I mean, yeah. And so what happens is we start behaving in a crazy way to, to lead this fake hidden life where we pretend like everybody thinks good thoughts about me or i will go run and hide as a hermit block out my windows lock the door and not have any interaction with anybody else i'll just keep hidden see this faulty formula leads to crazy behavior So as last week we looked at God's answer to the faulty formula, today we're looking at another aspect of that. Last week, in Christ, I am fully forgiven and perfectly pleasing to God. This week, in Christ, I am absolutely accepted by God. Absolutely accepted. In Christ, I'm absolutely accepted so that there is nothing I can do to get more acceptance from God. And there's nothing I can do to lose acceptance from God. I am absolutely, unconditionally accepted by God in Christ Jesus. I'm accepted so that as a clay pot sitting on a shelf, I am fully pleasing to God. I am absolutely accepted by God and acceptable to Him as a clay pot sitting on a shelf. It's only when we start pretending like we're something of our own making like crystal or coffee man, coffee pot, or the gangster black kettle person. It's only when we start uh, trying to create our own identity based upon what others say or what others think that we start leading leading crazy life. Uh, But when we understand who we are in Christ, that we are accepted by God, that answers our deepest struggle and our deepest... Uh, difficulty. So we're going to look at this acceptance in Colossians one verses twenty one and twenty two. Colossians one verses twenty one and twenty two. <clears> two <throat> verses out of a larger section in the book of Colossians, uh, where and, and really it's 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 a, a couple of phrases out of a bigger sentence that Paul is writing. And he's talking about Jesus and how Jesus is the fullness of all things, that, that Jesus is supreme over all things. But then he brings it home, and, and uh, in, in verse 19 and verse 20, he's talking about how Jesus, how God through Jesus reconciling the whole world to himself. But now, in verse 21 and 22, uh, he brings it to a more personal level. He says, he writes in Colossians 121, and you were alienated and enemies in, uh, uh, by your, mind, uh, in your mind by uh, wicked works. You were alienated from God. You were enemies of God in your mind by wicked works. Yet now he has reconciled you by the body of his flesh to present you holy, blameless, and above reproach. So as we break this verse down, it deals with first the faulty filter that we, that we need to deal with. The faulty filter says, I am what others say I am. I've talked about this already. When, when I live based upon what others say or think about me, that's when I uh, pursue crazy. You, you know, I was growing up, and, and parents, if you tell, t- t- tell your children or pose this question to your children, uh, if they give you an honest answer, uh, it, it, it's, it's when, when I would, as a kid, deal with peer pressure, and I knew that my buddies were doing something, and I wanted to do what my buddies were doing, and my mom or my dad would pose this question. Well, if Billy were to jump off a bridge, would you jump off with him? Don't ever ask that question, because the answer is yes, I would, because I want Billy to like me. That's why I jump off the bridge. That's why I act like a crazy imbecile. That's why I do silly things, because I want Billy to like me. I want Billy to accept me. I want Billy to think I'm a good guy. I never had a childhood friend named Billy. It was somebody else. But, but this is what happens when we start creating when, when when we're chasing after what others think or say about us. Uh, we, we, we will do whatever it takes to be accepted because we all want to be accepted. If you're sitting here today and you say that you don't want to be accepted, I'm telling you that's as unhealthy as doing all this other stuff, too. You do, of course you do. You're deceiving yourself or you're trying to deceive others. The Bottom line, of course you want to be accepted. That is a a divinely given need that we have. We want to be accepted. We want people to to accept us and not reject us. We don't want people to uh, stiff arm us and say, well, you can't have any part of me. We don't want people to say, You can't be my friend. We don't want to be the kid in the cafeteria with the the tray of food looking for a place to sit and nobody opening the table to them. We don't want to be that kid, but we've all been that kid. We need acceptance. But when we start defining our values, saying that we are a worthwhile person based upon what others say about us, that's when we start doing whatever it takes for them to like me. Now just think back through the course of your life. Have you ever done whatever it takes for somebody to like you? for Somebody to say, man, I accept you. How crazy has it gotten for you at times? I mean, how crazy has it gotten? I'm I'm glad my brothers aren't here. My parents aren't here. To tell some of the stories of my youthful days when it got really crazy. You know what I'm talking about? I mean, let's just be honest. Let's be open about this. You know, God is gracious to stupid people too. And there was a whole lot of stupid in my life. You know what I'm saying? You know why there was a whole lot of dumb? It was because I was chasing the acceptance of a few other people. It was a faulty filter. I didn't think I was worthwhile unless a lot of people thought I was cool. So here we are, we're, we're dealing with this faulty filter, but the question is, why? Why do we chase that? Why do we, why do we chase others' acceptance, or, or we hide? You know, the other part of it is, I'm not going to show you the real me, because if I show you the real me, you're going to reject me. Have you ever felt that? If you ever understood how bad I really am, or how dumb I really am, or how wicked I really am, or how lazy I really am, or whatever the equation there, if you ever figured out how dot, dot, dot I really am, then you're not going to like me anymore. When we start hiding our core convictions so that people will accept us, When, when we start denying our faith, so that somebody's going to say, you're a good guy. When we start adjusting our behavior as followers of Christ just so that my buddy will still want to be my buddy and I won't be on the wrong side of an issue. See, that's soul-crushing kind of behavior. Why? Why do we behave that way? Well, it's because we're estranged. We're alienated from God. It's that separation from God that creates this need, this vortex, this this desire for acceptance. See, originally God made us to feel the acceptance that we have with him. He had his stamp of ownership on us, made in his image and in his likeness. We lived in community with him. But because of our sin, because we were uh, estranged from God by our sin, we live with this vacuum and this vortex, this emptiness inside of us, where we try to cope with that sense of emptiness by finding acceptance from all these other people. Originally, it wasn't intended that way. In the perfection of God's creation, he made us knowing and feeling his absolute acceptance. And then sin happened. And that sin carried over into your experience and mine, and we wake up and we are estranged from God. We no longer have or feel or sense that stamp of his ownership on our soul. We don't feel like we're wonderfully and fearfully made. We don't feel accepted. We are Oh, yearning for somebody to say, you're okay. And we will do a lot of crazy things to hear that, you're okay. We're estranged. Not only are we estranged, but we're, we're enemies with God. And, and that term, enemies, uh, literally is a picture of us fighting with God. Not only are we estranged from Him, but in our mind... And, 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 Enemies in our mind. In our mind, we start having an attitude that is that that is fighting against God. We start thinking, okay, well, it's like the 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 the, the skit that we saw earlier. It's 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 you can't wait for the for the. For the master, the the craftsman, the maker, the potter, you can't wait for him to tell you what you are. You can't wait for him to give you direction. He never speaks to you. That's being hostile in your mind. That's being enemies in your mind. And that's what happens to all of us when we're estranged from God. We start thinking that we know better than the potter. We know better than God how to find acceptance, how to experience acceptance, how how to feel acceptance that we so desperately yearn to know. And not only are we fighting God in our mind, but it leads to these works that 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 uh, man. That's where the crazy hits. I I honestly, how many bridges have you jumped off of? Because Billy did. A good a good clue that you're trying to try that, that you're that you're living according to this faulty filter. If you create drama, you create it. You create drama in order to be a martyr so people think sad thoughts about you. Oh, yeah. You see them on Facebook all the time. People just, oh, they just go on and on on about the drama in their life. And they, they create the drama. They list the drama. They describe the drama, and they put it on Facebook so everybody around them will say, oh, you're such a martyr. We feel so sorry for you. If you're doing that or if you think that's a good idea, you're, you're living with this faulty filter. You create drama to be a martyr or you create drama to be a, a savior. See, some people create drama so that they can show themselves as the only hope for rescue. Uh, you see it all the time in our relationships, but we're getting ready to hit, a, hit on some political campaigns. That's what political campaigns are built on. They... they scream about a fear and then they say we are the solution I am I, I, I tell you right now that, that person over there they're going to cause the end of the world but I'm the solution and, and that's, that's what their campaigns are built on look that whole concept is a faulty filter well, we, we, we have this faulty filter when when we try to hide ourselves or, or when we will do whatever it takes for people to say, thumbs up, you're okay. You know, I wake up every day knowing that I'm going to disappoint about 200, 300 people. Every day. I know I am. And still knowing that and not, not worried about disappointing 200 or 300 people every day. I, I really don't worry about that. I worry about disappointing about three or four people every day. See, when it comes down to it, this filter is the one that plagues me the most. More than anything else we're going to talk about, this is the one that hits me the most. And it's not because I worry about y'all so much. as I worry about the five or six people in my life. I really, I really do need for them to say I'm a good guy and think I'm a good guy. See, I don't need need the acceptance or the approval of a 1,000 people or 500 people. I don't need the acceptance or the approval of, uh, uh, of dozens of people or even a dozen people. But boy, there are five, maybe five, maybe six, maybe seven people in my life that, man, my world sometimes hangs on their approval or disapproval. And when when that's healthy in me, then that's okay. When it's not healthy on me, man, that's terrible. So we got to deal with the faulty filter. Now, what Paul does, he says, okay, you got this faulty filter. You were alienated. You were estranged from God. You were enemies uh, in your mind by wicked works from God. Then he says, and yet now, look at that, verse 21, yet now, yet now is the game changer. Yet now is where everything changes for us. Yet now means that things that used to be aren't that way anymore. The faulty filter is being swallowed up by the gospel filter, and the gospel filter says that Jesus gives his acceptance to me. Yet now, he has reconciled you by the body of his flesh so that he might present you holy blameless and above reproach to God. Here's the game changer for us. It's that we who were estranged have been brought near to God through Jesus Christ. That we who once were far off have now been brought into the family. See, last week we looked at Jesus gives me his righteousness, and it's his righteousness that God looks at, and he says, okay, Eric, because you are covered by Christ's righteousness, and Jesus uh, took my sin and, and, and died with it on a cross that as payment for my sin. But God says, looks at me and he says, okay, because uh, you're covered in Christ's righteousness, you are justified. You are fully forgiven. You are perfectly pleasing, and there's nothing you can do to change that. Nothing, nothing, nothing you can do to change that. Okay, that's last week. That's the court setting. That's that's God in in his holy heavenly court looking at me and pronouncing me justified. Here in this verse and in this passage, it's the relationship. It's not the court. It's the relationship. It is I have been reconciled to God. I've been reconciled to God. Jesus has accepted me. Jesus gives me his acceptance. He accepts me when I, by faith, cling to him as my only hope for rescue. When I see my sin as the cause of my separation from God, see Christ's death on the cross, the body of his flesh as payment price for my sin, and I run to Jesus, and I give him my all, in that moment, he says, I accept you. He gives me his acceptance and more. Not only does he bring me to himself and say, I accept you, but he brings me to God and he places the acceptance that he had with God on me. See, Jesus was holy and blameless and above reproach. In the sight of God. Jesus is the only one who perfectly fulfilled the standard of righteousness that God required. Jesus alone was the sinless one. Jesus alone is the perfect spotless lamb of God who can take away the sin of the world. This is Jesus who was accepted by the Father in every way, perfectly, absolutely accepted. And when Jesus looks at me, a sinner, he says, I'm going to take my acceptance with the Father, and I'm going to plant it on you. So now, according to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 19, God does not impute my trespasses against me. He's already nailed them and killed them with Jesus. I am now not only fully forgiven, perfectly pleasing, but I am absolutely accepted by the one who, 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 whose acceptance I desperately need. The living God, the creator of the universe, the one who has made me perfectly is the one who looks upon me and says, all right, now you're in the family, and you can't change that. Oh, let me tell you something. There's nothing you can do to dismantle the acceptance that God has for you because there's nothing that you did to get that acceptance to begin with. It's all about Jesus. And so we look to Jesus and we say, thank you for placing your acceptance on me. It is by the body of his flesh, his death on the cross, as payment price for my sin, that I am now accepted in the beloved. I'm part of the family. I'm accepted. And it doesn't matter what style jeans I wear. I'm going to be accepted. And it doesn't matter if I'm still... By the way, can I tell you the perfect example of, of peer pressure? The mullet cut. There is no good reason to have a mullet cut, except you're trying to be accepted by Bubba. The mullet cut. I mean, it is a perversion of all hairstyle. Who am I to talk about hair? I know. But still. So it still, and it doesn't matter if you've got a mullet cut. You are accepted in the family in Christ. You are absolutely accepted. And so when we gather here today, here's what the result is. The result is I no longer have to uh, seek the approval of other people in order to feel good about myself. Get it. I don't have to have your approval to feel good about me. Why? Because the King of kings and the Lord of lords, the God of the universe has said, I'm okay, and that's good enough for me. So, today we need to live in God's acceptance. We need to live in that place where Jesus has taken us by the gospel. Here's the thing. Um, Like I said, I mean, I I still struggle with this. I, I, I haven't arrived. I mean, I still struggle with this. I struggle with the approval of certain people in my life. I mean, let's just be honest if my wife says that I'm not okay, I don't feel okay. Am I right? right. So I under... <laughs> so... <laughs> Somebody shout me down. Uh, I, I, and and, and it's, it's, it's okay. When that's healthy, when I look at my relationship with Edie and, and, and that's in a healthy place and, and, and she says, okay, I, I, don't, you know, I don't feel good about you. That's okay for me to feel bad about that. It becomes unhealthy when, when my significance is totally wrapped up in what she says or thinks about me. That's when it becomes unhealthy. See, I have to be willing to live each day with your disapproval in order to live in the acceptance and the approval of God. Paul said it this way, Galatians chapter 1 verse 10. He said, am I trying to persuade men or am I trying to persuade God? He said, if I am trying to please men then I am no longer a bondservant to Jesus. You know what he's saying there? He's saying if I'm living my life for your approval, then I've lost sight of my status in relation to Jesus. I've lost sight in the fact that I belong to Jesus. The stamp of God's ownership is on me. I am accepted by him because of Jesus. And so I'm going to serve Jesus. I'm not going to worry about your approval or disapproval. Now that's easier said than done. For me. Maybe not for you. For me, it's easier said than done. Every day I wake up, a different season in my life, different seasons in my life, I've had to deal with this struggle with an addiction to the acceptance of few key people in my life. So much so that their approval, like if, if, if my dad uh, or my mom, if, if, growing up as a kid, if, if I knew that, that my bad grade would disappoint them and threaten their approval of me, then I would Can y'all close your ears just for a second? I would lie, lie, deceive about that bad grade because their approval was more important than the truth in my life. Does that make sense? So I would hide. Guys, you don't think that led to a lot of crazy? And as a kid, that's one thing. But as you get older, if you don't learn about that stuff, it leads to a whole lot of crazy, doesn't it? I mean, it just dismantles relationships. It destroys futures, okay? And I was a follower of Jesus. I mean, I was born again. I I I was absolutely accepted by God and still living as though I was a men pleaser and not a bondservant of Jesus. So, even today, and it's not the same kind of struggle today that it was yesterday or the day before or whatever, but, but, but when I'm struggling with this, I've, I've got a tool that I use. And it's a tool that I picked up several years ago, uh, but it's a tool that helps me. Now, if you have your Bibles, turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Everybody know where 1 Corinthians 13 is? Do y'all know what 1 Corinthians 13 is about? What's it about? Love, baby, love, 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 love. And, and, and 1 Corinthians 13 is about this wonderful love, but it's more than that. It's about God and his love for us. And it's not just about his love and acceptance for us, but it, uh, his love for us, but it's also about his love and acceptance of us. As we look at this passage, what I do, the tool that I use is that I will look at this verse and in place of love I will put my father or God my father and then I will make it very personal to me and this becomes something that I look at every day the more I'm struggling with this uh, addiction to approval this fa- faulty filter of I am what others think or say I am the more I'm struggling with that the more I'm going to devote myself to reading this and reminding myself Of of God's love for me. So so in in 1 Corinthians 13, and you got to begin with verse 4 because that's that's really where where the love chapter it's all over, but verse 4 is where where we begin. Alright, so so here's the way it reads. So I personalize it, and I encourage you to do this very same thing. So it begins like this: My father is very patient with me. My father is very kind to me. My father is not envious. My father is not boastful in relationship to me. My father is not arrogant or puffed up when it comes to me. My father is not rude to me. He's not self-seeking in our relationship. My father is not quick to take an offense over the things I say or do. My father keeps no record of my wrongs. Oh, you ought to star that one. My father doesn't gloat over my failures or my sins and yet he rejoices when truth prevails in my life. And this is part I really this is where I really hit. My father bears all things with me. My father believes all things in me. My father hopes all things for me my father endures all mm, my father endures all things from me man that's good stuff my father and his love and his acceptance never fail you start reading that every day it'll change how you view yourself in relation to what others say because the God of the universe has said I absolutely unconditionally accept you in Christ Jesus so let's live in that acceptance I am fully forgiven perfectly pleasing and absolutely accepted by the King of the universe Because of my relationship with God through faith in Jesus Christ.